The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, Major Professional Events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. And yes, uh, greetings one and all, uh, salutations to all that have uh, come in and uh, gotten ready to listen to this episode of the TWBC podcast. I am the aforementioned uh, Tony Lightfoot, and uh, here is a rather uh, rather special episode. In fact, they're all rather special, if we're being honest, but this especially so because uh, this is a skier who comes to us uh, out of Belarus. She is the current uh, water ski pro tour women's jump champion uh, for that season-long uh, uh, title and also a multiple-time world champion uh, in the field of cable tournament water skiing. Uh, it's uh, Hannah Strotz over out of Belarus. How are you doing? Hi, Tony. I'm good. Uh, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Um, this is a big challenge for me, you know, so I hope it will be interesting. And I do have to admit, I have been wanting to do this podcast for quite a while, given your, given your status amongst the world's elite. But we were kind of waiting a little bit uh, for for your English uh, to actually uh, get to a certain level to where you can uh, you you can answer questions with something other than a yes or a no, <laughs> no, and just try and expand upon your answers, you know. So, I mean, that, there, there's that to consider as well. So, uh, yeah, how, how, mu- how much of a challenge has that been, really for you uh, within the last few seasons because when you first came to the United States or at least immerse yourself in a, in, in, a, in an all English speaking environment how 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 hard was it to try and you know get to where you were to where you are now uh, I came to states twice uh, to a ski school to work in a ski school and I didn't really know English uh, and but they were Japanese, you know, but I, and I still could work there. And I really uh, started learning English when I decided that I will go to the school here, to Monroe. Mm-hmm. So I studied it really hard for the test. And then <clears throat> my English improved a lot. And then during the school for two years, it's been improving because I had to study in English, you know, attend classes, communicate and stuff. Uh, and now I'm finished school, i here at Venice and I just ski and I don't really need to improve my English anymore. And I kind of got lazy about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just at that level that I can communicate on a regular basis and 
I'm just lazy, you know, to, to improve. No, but I mean, but I mean, you pick a little bit of nuances and you know colloquialisms and that kind of stuff, you know. So, yeah, I've almost forgotten about the fact that you actually ski collegiately for for at least one or two seasons. Two the, years. Two yes. years. So to get on ULM's program, you know, you had to have a certain proficiency in English. You had to take the TOEFL test, didn't you, to uh, uh, to to be able to uh, to sign up for any of the classes, right? Yes, I did IELTS. It's mm. another uh, test. And I went, I did my master's degree there, so I had to do uh, another test with math and English to be able to get into master's degree. I don't know how I did it, <laughs> but somehow, like my math score was higher and my English score was lower, but overall, it was enough to make it to the masters. Yeah. I don't know how, like, but I'm glad it worked out. It didn't surprise me that your math score would have would have been higher than English, because I mean there is an awful lot of emphasis placed upon math teaching, especially among the Slavic nations, of which Belarus, Ukraine, and it Russia. It was interesting because I finished school and then I went to the university back home for mm -hmm. four years and I started. Uh, physical education so there was no math classes uh, and I finished it for after four years I decided that I will go to Monroe for a master's and then I found out I have to take math and then I just took I think two months to get ready and it was enough for me you know like mm -hmm. I I wasn't in a math field, I didn't take classes, and then I still <clears throat> was able to pass the test. Yeah, but I mean, you have to admit, I mean, like the, the standard of maths teaching and the standard of, uh, of you, you know, of of acuity within mathematics is a lot higher and uh, typically than typically the United States you know I mean I mean I do substitute teaching uh, on various subjects math being one of them you know and, and uh, it kind of it kind of like it kind of pains me a little bit to have to guide you know uh, junior high school students you know through 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 algebra 2 and algebra 3 when those subjects you know have already been done and forgotten about for many many children in in Belarus, you know that you're you're studying mm. geometry and trigonometry before you head to college, right? I mean, I can say that we have a good uh, school education. Mm -hmm. That and we have high scores to apply to the universities. Like you, you have to study those tests. Uh, we have a good base for like children like all school but I can't say that about uh, the universities uh, okay so uh, tell us a little bit, a bit about your university study I mean because you spent two years at Monroe but uh, you, you, you you went through your entire undergraduate uh, uh, studies in, in Belarus so which, which specific court school in Belarus was it? It was a university in my city Novopolitsk yes Novopolitsk I went there just because it was convenient. It's a small city, you can get anywhere in like 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it was very uh, convenient and comfortable in terms of getting education and skiing and training at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, 
Like I was thinking about coming to the States to study for quite a while before when I was like in high school, but then uh, I didn't have enough money and I was, I think I was still like small in mm -hmm. my brain, like I wasn't grown up, I didn't know how everything works and uh, an injury happened. I broke my ankle. Oh. I, when was it? It's like last year of high school or the first year of the university. But anyway, it's, so I had to do a surgery on it in Germany because our doctors couldn't fix it. They didn't know how to fix it. So it took me a year to like get back. Mm -hmm. uh, in sport and actually the doctor that did my surgery he said like I don't know like I will fix it but I'm not sure you will be able to to do any sports wow like you it will be fine for like regular living mm -hmm. but I'm not sure like I will do my best but then like no guarantee well, that well, that must have been a little bit unsettling, you know, to have gotten that 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 kind of response from from someone in Germany that's operated on your ankle. But you persevered enough anyway. Uh, you got you got back to Novopolutsk. I mean, in that yeah, world so in that, in that world famous training program that they have there, you know, where you where you trick in the swimming pool during the winter, you know. But uh, you know. T tell, tell, us, uh, tell us a little bit about that because that's a little bit of a story that I didn't know about you uh, when, when we started this interview. Yes, yes. Um, no, so that's why I like stayed in my city to, uh, to go to the university because of the ankle and uh, I didn't know if I will be able to ski at all, you know, and I just uh, started university. Uh, well, about the our ski program, uh, you know, here in the States, people with money can go buy a boat, mm -hmm. buy a ski, and just go out and ski with the family and stuff. Well, our country is not that... Not that, not that well off, no. Mm, yes, uh, it's pretty poor. <laughs> so, like, Unless you we, can't, to we can't just go and buy a boat, you know, and it's really hard to even uh, transport a boat. You have to pay some... So much taxes, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, we have two clubs in the country, in Minsk and in Novopolsk, mm -hmm. and they are uh, funded by government, by the Ministry of Sport. Uh -huh. So back home, like any sports that we have, they are funded from Ministry of Sport. Uh -huh. um, so I will talk about my club. Every year... They invite kids to come and try water skiing. Mm -hmm. um, so, parent like at the age of like six, seven, parents send their kids to the school, and let's say it's a hundred kids. Wow! And then, yeah, some of them go to learn how to swim first, and then they try. Try to skiing. Ski. Yeah. So it all starts from the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a 50 meter swimming pool. Olympic lane. Yes. Um, and we always start on two trick skis. Mm -hmm. 
And then what what is the advantage of this program? So let's say 100 people comes and then a coach comes and looks at all the kids and then he just chooses 10 the best ones of all of them and then and then progresses to the next stage you know and learning how to do the basic tricks and uh, learning how to do the basic spins right but like you see there is a a lot of opportunities to pick the best ones Mm -hmm. with a talent and so he picks a group let's say like my coach he picks a group and then he works with them Uh, but you have to attend like there is a schedule you have to attend all the practices you have to improve and that's how you stay in there like if you don't attend if you're lazy if you don't get it serious and you don't improve you get kicked out yeah (laughs) so that's how we get better i guess yeah because i because i mean that's one of the first things i quit uh, i would have asked you about how how you actually get get skiing in in belarus you know because it's totally different in the united states i mean if you if you can it um, and it's mostly family based in the united states to where to where the kids are part of the family mm-hmm. they learn how to ski they improve they improve they improve and they, they might get they might get good enough to be in a tournament they'll get noticed and and train yeah. on from there it's a lot lot different in 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 belarus you know so the the paul program uh it's it, it's it's always kind of intrigued me a little bit because you know from the point of view of learning how to trick you know because one of the most difficult things to that that anyone can do within water skiing is actually to learn your basic stance in tricking and learn how to pull in relation to the rope and the handle and not lean back and lean mm-hmm. forward and lean to the side and lean 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 that kind of stuff in Belarus in in that tricking program you 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 turn you learn your stance the correct stance very very early being straight up and down and not using too much of your shoulders or your hips to actually make the ski turn you know you 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 learn how to how to keep your weight Mm -hmm. centered over the ski is that a pretty accurate assessment yeah, I think it's just the way our coach teached, uh, like taught us. Uh, like, it's so easy in the swimming pool. You can like it's a 50 meter, so you can do like 25 rides, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And you fall and you get out, and then the next gear goes, and it's very fast, and you can do one trick repeated for like 10 times and it's so he just makes us do it to a perfection mm-hmm. of like how he thinks it's perfect you know but uh, it's it's a really good way to put kids on a on a path to success on on, on like trick skis on like how to teach them ski and it's also cheap mm-hmm. like it's ele- electrical yeah 
Um, and I mean, of course, we have winter, so there is no other way how to no, cause how I to mean, train. Yeah, because I mean, the lakes in Belarus in the winter are only good for ice fishing at that time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But. And like, we, they always start from like they always pick kids in the swimming pool, and then if you do well, then you go. Then summer comes, and then you go to the lake, and the best ones they try to to ski on uh, jump skis, uh, try to ride a slalom ski, and then if you are chosen to go to the lake, then it means you're good, and <laughs> then you're, you will be a water skier. <laughs> How did that feel, you know, being selected to go to the lake? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> I don't know how I felt. I just realize it now how it works, you know? For me, it was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to the lake to ski. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little simpler over here in the United States because, I mean, the lake is about the only way you can do, do, do skiing. I mean, I haven't seen any programs to where you do a 50-meter pool type thing in the United States, but we'll leave that for a, for a little bit. Kind of describe a little bit what your first experience was riding the slalom ski for the first time, you know, because, I mean, most people here, that's their entrance into water skiing, being able to get up on two, then on the slalom ski, and then way, way down the road, then they think about putting the trick ski on. It's different in yes. Belarus. Uh, I don't actually remember how I got on slalom ski. You probably thought that this is, this is fast. <laughs> I think no, we we. I'm sure we start on two skis and then we drop one, you know, for yeah. the slalom ski. Yeah, that's what we do. I from my childhood memories, I just remember that I always fell in tricks. Like I get up, like 30 seconds, I try fall, 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 fall. I always like I couldn't trick. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I was picked. Uh, I had good slalom and I had I, and I was good in jumping and the tricks were horrible like you had to really work hard to get to where you wanted to be in tricks yeah Probably. I just remember I was always in the water not on the water like I get up try fall 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 and I hated it and it was cold you know you you sit in the water and you start freezing yeah yeah because even summers in Belarus are, are, extre are extremely cold yeah you but... still wear a wetsuit okay so you managed to get onto the lake you got behind the boat but Belarus out of probably all the nations that I know of are exceptionally great at cable skiing uh, yet yeah I haven't seen any pictures of a cable ski facility uh, in Belarus maybe uh, aside from that in Minsk you know but I mean we have one uh, cable which is in Minsk just one yes Right now we have a few two-way cables, mm -hmm. but it, they opened just recently, like a few years ago. Yeah, just one cable. Just one cable, and y'all and the Belarusians are the world cable cable tournament ski champions. Yeah. And then you and then you compare that to Germany, which has about twenty of them. Yeah, but you see, they still in Germany they mostly public. For the like recreational skiers for uh, wakeboard, mm -hmm. and they also don't get as much time as they want for for like cable skiing, three event skiing. So it's not that easy, I guess. Too uh, for me, 
I started cable when I was 11, I guess. Okay. So I've been doing it every year, but I did it for like two weeks a year or three weeks a year. And that was enough for me to learn and progress. You know, there is a correlation. The better you are, like for me, the better you are in on the boat, the better you are on cable. Okay. Okay, that's... That. And, yeah, boat skiing helps a lot to improve in cable. Excellent stuff. Now, everyone everyone that I know of, anyone that's anyone knows you, not so much for slalom or for tricks, but it's for your jumping. Uh, you've you've excelled well in the in in the pre in in the previous season and we'll talk a little we'll talk a little bit about that but when do, when did you personally realize that you know i've got something good here with jumping maybe not so much with tricks because you said it yourself you fail you fail you fail mm-hmm. but when you when you got on those jump skis and you started hitting the ramp and getting a getting some decent distance so when did you have that epiphany and like saying okay well I've got something here you know it happened when I was 12 I guess or 13 but like that was the first time I went to Europeans under 14 Mm -hmm. and I went and I think I won jump or I was second and well, at home you train as a kid and you don't see the rest of the world. Okay. The lake is your world, you know? And you see the people that you train with. And you don't know any international skiers. You and, have... and you don't know uh, what level they are and you don't realize what level you are, you know? You had no idea how competitive you were. Yes. So I went to Europeans under 14 and I won there. And I went next year again under 14 and I won again. And then I just keep like placing like first, second. I, I, I guess I was first or second. I, I don't think I was third. Uh, under 14, under 17, 21, and then it's like always been that I've been placing in jumping. Who were you competing against when you started winning in like age 14, age 15? Anyone we know of? Uh, Janina was there. Janina was there? And then some French, another French girl. Then Charlotte Wharton was there. Charlotte Wharton? Yeah. Okay. yeah, I would love to have seen the looks on their faces when this like fret, fret, this uh, this fresh-eyed uh, a skier out of Belarus comes in and like beats them all. You know, where where does this Stroltsover come from? You know, I mean, uh, I would... you know, when I had this feeling uh, when we had Worlds under twenty-one in Spain. Mm-hmm. That's the same, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yes. So I still didn't, like, I knew European skiers like Janina, you know, like some French skiers, Mm -hmm. like uh, Czech, Belarus. I didn't know uh, girls from the United States. Mm. So the main competitor was Taryn Grant. Yes. So I think my best score was like 48, 49 at that time, and she already jumped 51. And, but I was, you know, like I was at the lake training and my coach was encouraging me, yeah, we will get it, you know. 
But I I look at the score and I'm like, how? Like it's like three or four meters difference. And he told me, yeah, but you know, like we train here in not very, like in not perfect conditions. And in the United States, everything's the best, you know? Yeah. So the results are better like themselves. Mm -hmm. So when you meet them in the same site, at the same time, you know, same conditions, you will beat them. And I'm like, okay, I was hesitating until last minute, you know, but I got there and I won tearing by 10 centimeters <laughs> and I jumped my PB. Oh, nice. That was... That was insane. What what kind of distance? Was it over 50 meters? 51 and 51 and 1, something like that. 51.1 meters, you know, yes. which must have been a personal... Yeah, you yeah, said it your was personal, best, yes. It was your personal best at that time. So, I mean, that, that must have been... Yeah. And that's what I would like to say that how it's different right now that I train here and I know everybody and I see how how they ski, how they train and you know I see who they are and back home you didn't have those thoughts you didn't worry about others you were concentrating on yourself to do your best you know okay do you still wish you had that kind of isolation uh, isolation uh, from the from the competitors i mean because it served you pretty well there in the in the world under 21s yeah i don't know but i was a uh, still kid and there was no other there option was, you know there was there was either that or nothing you know so i mean so i mean that that was that was that must have been a rather uh, uh, Rather amusing uh, setup there for for that event. Uh, obviously, we talked talked about tricks, talked about your jumping. Uh, haven't really touched upon uh, slalom skiing, which is which is probably out of the three events your your weakest event. Uh, uh, what, have, have you have you have you made any strides to try and seriously improve your slalom at all to try and bring you up a little bit higher in in overall? Yes. Uh... I guess since last year, yeah, I've been working on changing my technique because Jay says I'm I'm strong and I can be good in slalom. I just need little things to to change, you know, in my technique. So I feel better right now. I just need more time and practice and tournament practice to to let it raise kind of you know? yeah because i mean you because i mean you ski here over at bennett's and you 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 know what the bar is so far slalom skiing is concerned i mean because you hear it every single weekend you see and hear skiers like regina and whitney and all those skiers getting into in into 10.75 meters and uh, that's a that's a pretty tough ask for for any skier but for an overall skier such as yourself certainly uh, certainly very very uh, tough to achieve but uh, i mean i i like to slalom mm -hmm. so it's not like oh i have to do it for overall you know i i i like it itself so I hope I will be better. Okay. It's just when I was taught how to slalom ski, you know, our coaches, they were back home and they were, at that time, there were no... Um, 
Nothing. No, no like, one. No one that was specialising in some of the newer techniques. There were, there were no, no videos, no footage on the internet. It wasn't that popular as nowadays. You know, you you go online and you find the video and you can learn from it. So back in the day, there was nothing. So they taught us how they thought it should be, mm-hmm. and it wasn't quite right. So now I had to relearn little things to mm-hmm. now to get better and improve. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that the skiers and the coaches over there in Belarus will probably be thankful for TWBC for some of the footage that come that comes through. I mean, you have access to YouTube in Belarus, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, no, it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy right now. And you can look so many videos of different techniques and compare and learn, you know. It, they didn't have it back then. and Yeah, but yet, yet, even though you didn't have it back then, you're still, still able to, uh, to ski better than average in, uh, in, in slalom and pack quite a punch so far as the overall is concerned. Yeah, uh, and I may say that I always placed in... Well, I always placed in uh, jump, and the other medal it was was either trick or overall. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, obviously a lot of work to do with uh, with, with slalom to try and bring that on on a par with tricking and jumping. But uh, let's go a little bit to last year because I mean, you you won several titles, the Masters, you won King of Darkness, uh, you. I think you think think you won quite a few others, but let's let's home in upon the cable skiing a little bit because you won what was it? You, you actually won the slalom, I believe. I was third. Third in slalom, and won tricks. Won tricks. And then I got second in jump. And first overall. For first overall, yes. Okay, so uh, so yeah, so I mean. I'm I'm guessing a lot of people that are listening to this are probably more 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 edged towards tournament water skiing. But tell me a little bit about the the struggles and the challenges that it takes for a competitor such as yourself to to switch from tournament skiing behind the boat, then to cable, and then less than a week later before the next competition, switching back. And with that, we'll uh, take a, a break uh, from the uh, the interview and uh, conclude this as part one of a two-part uh, interview with Hannah Stroltzerver. We certainly thank her very much uh, for those uh, insights uh, that she was kind enough to share with us in this part one. And uh, be sure to catch a part two uh, next week for the continuation of the Hannah Stroltzerver interview here on the TWBC podcast. So until then, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC podcast.